there, and welcome to episode 60 of the Rock Podcast, Those About the Pod, we salute you. In this episode, there's rock news. It's the letter M in the A to Z of rock. We've got new rock on the block, and of course, everyone's favourite feature, Hidden Gem Time. So without further ado, here he is, the man with the Princess Diana picture. It's Brian Maley, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Brian. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, Matthew. It's not... Princess Diana, it's Kenny Dalgleish. Okay, I'll take your word for it. All right, okay. I'll take your word. <laughs> so, Brian, how are you, my friend? I am doing very well, mate. Good. I'm, I'm a diamond geezer. Well, indeed. Uh, well, thanks for asking, by the way. I'm fine. Um, yes, indeed. It is our 60th episode. It is, indeed. 60, which means this is our diamond... Anniversary. You know what that means, don't you? That means uh, some <laughs> link to your favourite band, Diamond Head. I'm, got, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, send, I'm sending you a present, actually. It's on its way to you. I'm going to hold it up to the screen. So it hasn't arrived yet, clearly. But I'm going to hold it up to your screen. And that is what I'm sending you as uh, my gift to you. I'm sending you something with a diamond in it. Fabulous. It's the best of Diamond Head CD. How about that? Oh, I, I, and, and here is me thinking you might send me a Legs Diamond CD from from the playlist that we put on last episode because they were really good. It's the first time I ever were, heard Legs Diamond. They yeah. were brilliant. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Yeah. <laughs> loved it. Well, that's the beauty of these playlists. We we try to inspire people to listen to more of these uh, artists. And, of course, we'll do the same today. Yeah, we will. Um, uh, with the letter M for Maylie, of course. Of course. And uh, that's a section and, all in itself. Yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, okay, so what has caught your eye, Brian? Matt, you know the way yes. you you always talk about me being, you know, a, a guitarist, not very good. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, um, I've now cracked how to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow what Mark Knopfler has just done. Right, M- Mark Knopfler has just auctioned off 122 guitars from his collection mm. for a staggering 8.8 million pounds. So They're amazing. I don't have 122 guitars, Matt, but if you do the math, if I mm. sold about you know 10 of my guitars mm. and make the same amount of money as Mark Knopfler, I'm in I'm, I'm I can retire. That is true. Only there is one little sort of catch, really. You are not Mark Knopfler. You're not the guitarist in Dire Straits. We, we haven't talked about your uh, audition for the Smashing Pumpkins, by the way, which we touched on last time. We'll come on to that. Um, so, you know, you, you might get sort of face value from those couple of, you know, banjos and ukuleles you've got there. I can see them. I can see them in the background next to the Princess Diana picture, gathering dust. Um I actually watched I the audition. I actually watched the um, the auction live. The auction, not yeah. the audition. Yes, I watched. I, I watched <laughs> the auction live, uh, and it, and it was brilliant. It was. Uh, I also sat. I also bought the book. So I, I bought the um, oh, wow. the Mark Knopfler book with all of the uh, band or with all of the uh, guitars that were going to be auctioned, mm. and I sat and watched the auction and it was hilarious matt where you had a you had uh like balalaikas and little guitar you know he mm. was you know it wasn't all les pauls and 
in Fender Stratocasters and Sewer guitars that he's he's well known for using. Um, mm. he, there were some interesting guitars, and and they had like uh, little guitars that were you know up for a a value of the value of between eight hundred and twelve hundred pounds. Okay. And, and then it went to right. We've got lot twenty two. Uh, we've had a lot of interest in these guitars. Let's start the bidding at five grand. <laughs> mm, yeah, it was. Did, oh, it was. Did just, you buy anything? No, did I didn't. Anything? No, 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 no. But um, um, yes, uh, it was uh, a, a whacking amount of money. Eight point eight million mm. pounds that Mark Knopfler raised, and we we've talked a lot about. Um, you know, guitars and, and things have been auctioned off. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest guitar in the collection was um, a 1959 Les Paul Standard that sold for £693,000. But the one mm. that actually um, uh, was picked up on most of the news was uh, a 1959 reissue that was made in 1983 actually mm. went for five, nearly 600 grand. So Mark's donating a sizable amount of the uh, proceeds um, from the auction um, to the British Red Cross, to Tusk and to the Bravehearts of the Northeast. Mm. And he's also, um, for one of the, he had a special gold Les Paul that was signed by lots and lots of his peers, mm. which uh, sold for £403,000 and he's giving all of that to the Teenage Cancer Trust. So mm. that's it, Matt. Lovely. When I auction my guitars off in Christie's and make, and make three point fifty. Well, that said, you 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 met Eric Bell recently. You've got that. You've got this guitar, haven't you? That you, you yes. get signed by various members of Thin Lizzy. I believe you like Thin Lizzy. I, I, yeah. I could be wrong. Um, but you met Eric Bell recently. So that's Eric Bell. What a what a was he the original guitarist? He was the original Thin guitar Lizzie? player. Just for those people who don't know who Eric Bell is, of course. Um, uh, what was he like? Was he a nice, nice guy signing your guitar? Absolutely, gentleman. He was, was fabulous. It, it was um, he was playing in a little, a great little venue in Kinross, out, just outside Perth, mm. and uh, it was a Monday night, and it was a it's like a blues trio, and uh, Eric was playing great, and he, he it's like a blues trio. Um, he played a couple of Thin Lizzy tracks. He um, he obviously played uh, Whiskey in the Jar and he played The Rocker. And mm-hmm. he played for nearly two hours. And at the end wow. of the show... Um, he collapsed. <laughs> no, no, no. He <laughs> he had a pint of Guinness in his hand and he was just about to walk off the show and, and off the stage. And I just said, hello there, Eric. I put on my Northern Ireland accent a bit because Eric's, mm. Eric's from Belfast. So yep. I laid it on a bit thick. And then... Um, How's it going there, Eric? How you doing? Um, and and then he answers grand, and then then we're then we're Northern Ireland territory. Um, so uh, I said, would you mind signing my Les Paul? And he said, mm. no bother, no bother at all. Nice. And he then he had a look at it, and he spotted Brian Downey's signature on it as well too. And I said, yeah. So yes, lovely man, and yeah, legend. Yes, indeed. Speaking of lovely men, um, Fish, the uh, yes. the uh, well, it hasn't been the singer of Meridian for a long time, uh, solo performer. Derek Dick is his real name, of course. Uh, is is finally calling it a day after I think was it four decades, maybe more, in the music business from uh, the early days of Meridian in the early eighties. 
Um, it's decided that 2024-25 will be his last tour. Um, it's going to be an emotional one because he's he's quite a he's quite an iconic character, Fish. Um, and he's uh, yeah he's retiring from the music business. I think he's going to go and live in like the Isle of Orkney or some something like that. He's actually going to live in a uh, uh, in a croft on the Outer Hebrides. Oh, the Outer Hebrides. That's yeah. it. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Talk about reclusive. I mean, there's but yeah, good on him. He's, he's I think he's he's retiring. I would say at the top. Let's say let's say at the top. Um, will always be synonymous with that early. 80s Meridian, well, early to mid 80s. I think he left in the, the late 80s. And that was there. I mean, that was a, a purple patch for Meridian, wasn't it? In the kind of uh, misplaced childhood, Fugazi, script for a Jessateer era. Um, I, I met Fish, actually. Um, I was at a, a Planet Rock thing in um, Marrakesh in Morocco back in 2015. And he was one of the, the there were three gigs Temperance Movement, Fish, and um, Black uh, Black Star Riders, and you got to meet all of them. And he was it was quite he was quite jovial and quite uh, amicable, um, nice guy. Very tall, smoked a lot. He like chain smoking, which is not a good idea, kids. By the way, Are you heard from the kids. By the way, right? Just uh, just uh, going kind the, of sideways. Ma, the uh, mock exams. Uh, is it? Yeah, doing the mocks. <laughs> How comes you know this, but I don't. They don't, they, don't, they don't keep in touch with me. Well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> <Mock exams. laughs> okay, fair enough. Understood. Anyway, he um, he was uh, he, he did a, a nice gig, but yeah, he was. Uh, I've got a photo somewhere of me and Fish. I'll, I'll dig it out and stick it on the Facebook page or something. Um, anyway, Fish, you're a fan of Meridian. You love a bit of Meridian, don't you? Of course. I I do um I I love Marillion but I, I I'm a I'm a bigger fan I'm a bigger fan of the uh the latter day hmm. uh, with the new guy you know the new guy who's been in it for 35 years Yeah that's right that's right that's not like, like Steve Hogarth of course Yes a- H, H. Not like some people call Brian Johnson the new guy uh, in, yeah. a, in a in ACDC isn't it he's been there since 1980 <laughs> but it's still the new, oh, it's new guy new bloke still right Yeah yeah it'll be good um the um I think the 2024 part of the farewell tour, which is calling the Roads to the Isles, the yes. Roads to the Isles tour. Um, so he's doing Europe first um, in 2024, but next year in 2025, he's going to kick off the tour uh, in Haddington Corn Exchange. So I'm going to try and get tickets to go and see okay. him in Haddington. In his, wow, never heard of it. Where's Haddington? Then? Haddington's a little East Lothian village. I lived in it for about a year when I moved oh, up to you? Scotland. And okay. uh, Fish is well known for playing locally because he, he lives he lives in Haddington at the moment uh, uh, and has see. done since 1988. So he's got his recording studio there and he also has his garden because he, he kind of, during oh, lockdown, right. remember <laughs> during lockdown mm. he was doing Fish on a Friday and then he had the sideline of the gardening show that he used to do. Right. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, so I'm going to try, I'm going to try and get tickets to go and see him on the opening night at Haddington, the Corn Exchange next year. Feeling mm. that okay. it'll be the last night of his last ever show in Glasgow. Mm. Yeah. Probably that'd be an emotional affair, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we wish you well, Fish, on your farewell tour. So this next story, Brian, maybe maybe smile. In in a, in a way, I guess. Um, so status quo, 
which essentially is uh, Francis Rossi these days uh, and uh, Andy Bowne um, from from the kind of you know the classic era, let's say. Um, they they recently recorded uh, for M and S Marks and Spencer the the UK uh, sort of uh, department store giant. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there actually. I quite like M and S, but anyway, that's another story. My <laughs> daughter works there. Hi, Georgia. Um, if you're listening, which you hopefully are, if not, then why not? Um, uh, anyway, so um, they recently recorded a version of "Rocking o- Rocking All Over the World," which indeed itself is a cover of the John Fogerty song, promoting um, promoting M and S, um, and they they retitled it "Saving All Over the Store," which. Uh, and someone put on Facebook, I think probably Rick Parfit and Alan Lancaster are turning in their graves. And possibly they are, because it it's it, it's not Quo's finest hour, I don't think. Have a listen, boys and girls. It was filmed not far from where I live, actually, up in towards... I'm pointing north, Bry, as you can I, tell. I, okay, excellent. Up to me. Uh, I'll, I'll wait for that, that as you point up well, north. Well, that's not that far. <laughs> um, I'm pointing up towards Croydon, which is where it was formed. Um, and, and they've even changed the lyrics. Oh, my God, it's it's just amazing. Oh, here we are at M&S and here we go. I mean, that I think that we should stop there. Um, I Yeah. I mean, it's a good store, M&S, and the, uh, it's quite, you know, it's quite fun, I guess you could say, the the whole sort of idea behind it. But as I say, it, uh, I'm sure Alan Lancaster and um, Rick Parfit, if they're looking down, they're probably having a good old chuckle at uh, Francis and Andy's expense, let's say. Here's the benchmark for me, Matt. Mm. Is it better than Burning Bridges? <laughs> oh, that's a tough call, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's why, do we put on. It on, why do we put it on the playlist and let our listeners decide whether Burning Bridges or the re-recording of Rocking All Over the World for m and Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, we'll put all of them on there. We'll put the John Fogerty version. We'll put the original quote, but then the lot. We'll put them all on. Exactly. What else you got for Spire? So I, I um, one of... Um, one of the most polarizing ma- men in the world these days is is the multi-billionaire uh, mm. Tesla CEO Elon Musk, and you're you're probably wondering, Matt, why why am I talking about Elon Musk on our little podcast? Well, he's got a new album. He's got a new album. He's got a new album. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the way the way in which AI is going these days, man? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here it is, Elon Musk. Now, Elon Musk is now fronting Black Sabbath, Musk mm. Sabbath. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, uh, Elon Musk, Musk will not be listening to a uh, to a band uh, called <laughs> Dawn of Correction, and the reason mm. why that is is the drummer of the thrash brand Dawn of Correction is yes. a gentleman called Richard Tornetta. Now, Richard Tornetta mm. is a shareholder of the Tesla company. Mm. And um, in two, uh, I think it was in uh, 20, 2020, um, mm. Elon Musk's boards said, you're a good lad. We're going to give you lots and lots of money because you've made the company lots and lots of money. And as a shareholder, Richard went, no, I don't agree with that. And he only had nine, he had nine shares worth $200, Matt. And he took 
Elon Musk to court. And the court in Delaware sided with Richard Tonetta. And Elon Musk has just missed out, and these figures are correct, he's just been stripped of £56 billion worth of compensation from uh, uh, because of um, Richard, the drummer from Dawn Correction, who spearheaded the lawsuit against Elon Musk. There you go. Finance Amazing. and music. Yeah, they, uh, they're not often good bedfellows, are they? Um, <laughs> dawn of Correction. I can't actually find anything about Dawn of Correction on... Uh, sadly, on, they're on, do- sadly, they've... They've they're they're they've split up. They were not part uh, of the big okay. four. No, clearly. Dawn of correction. What do you do with fifty six billion dollars anyway? I mean, we've we've had this conversation before when when the Neil Youngs of this world started to sell their um, publishing rights. But what do you do with? I mean, what, I just, what do you just... do? You you sit you sit on Christie's you sit on Christie's mm. auctions. <laughs> Uh, in your in your Dire Straits t-shirt going, ah, I'm just going to bid all this up. I'm going to bid, there's a wee banjo for 50 quid. I'm going to bid it mm. up to £27,000 whilst I'm eating my Cheerios in the, in the morning That's drinking it. my coffee. Yes, with your dawn of correction. <laughs> um, right. What else you got for us, Brian? Anything else? Well, Matt, um, the exciting news for those of us who are big fans of Supergroups mm, and Glenn Hughes you. and Joe Bonamassa in particular. The mm. Black Country Communion, uh, who announced last year that they were getting back into the studio, have recorded their new album, which will be out in May of this year. Um, uh, super, super excited with that. The band are in rehearsals at the moment. I think they're doing, uh, is it like cruise to the they're doing a a a cruise i think that joe bonamassa does so black country are going to play black country community are going to play some shows there the the tantalizing teasing joe bonamassa has also said oh and we will be doing shows plural so hopefully there's um a slim chance that maybe they may come across to europe um Mm -hmm. which would be fantastic so um, I did get I did get all excited when uh, Spotify put a track out uh, over the last few days, uh, which was a track called "With You I Go," and I thought it was a brand new track off the new album. But sadly, mm. it was a an unreleased track from uh, BCC Four. But okay. th- but uh, it still sounded good, and it's a nice little teaser for uh, Black Black Country Communion hitting new album coming out. May of this year, which I'm very excited about. Well, I can imagine. And we'll have to review that, of course, in New Rock on the Block. We will indeed. Which brings us to New Rock on the Block. So, Saxon, I've got a new album out. The 24th album. Amazing. It's called Hellfire and Damnation. It struck me, Brian, uh, when we were listening to it, that in the course of this, this relatively short podcast histories is early well mid 2020 we've reviewed this is that third saxon album that we've reviewed <laughs> yes um hellfire and damnation uh well i'm just gonna sort of say well what do you think of it right i <laughs> i was very surprised with it matthew as you know 
Mm. I've seen Saxon many, many times, and I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm, I'm a. I enjoy the classic periods of mm-hmm. of Saxon. You know, Wheels of Steel, Eagle has landed, all that early stuff. And I haven't really been much of a follower of their latter career. Mm-hmm. This album, um, the the highlights for me is I think the Biff and Andy Sneap's production is amazing. I think mm-hmm. the songwriting is is so strong. Uh, you know the the opening track with the prophecy with mm. Brian Bless. Brian Bless. <laughs> you know, Gordon's alive. Heaven's Gordon's alive. Um, it's just it's such a, a well crafted piece of hard heavy metal. I, I, I just um, you know the the the. The tracks on it, um, the, the you know the leadoff track itself, uh, and the prophecy. I love Madame Guillotine, Fire and Steel, which is you know obviously they're a northern band, and hmm. and 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 uh, Pirates of the Airways, where they're they're giving a shout out to lots of the um, you know the the radio stations like Radio Caroline and Radio Luxembourg from the late sixties. Hmm. Um, I the. So songwriting was great. Um, I thought the band played well. The two things I want to call out about this album, and I'd say people, if you haven't listened to Saxon for many years, go and listen to this album. It's great. But the two things that just stand out for me on on the album is Biff's vocal is getting better. The, Mm -hmm. the, The melody. There was parts of the songs that they were singing, Matt, particularly around the, the in the choruses where it sounded as if Biff singing with Bruce Dickinson singing har- harmony vocals to it there was a there was a high mm-hmm. there was just a high um harmony which was fantastic and I thought I thought Biff was knocking it out of the chart the highlight of the album for me musically is Nigel Glockler the man is 71 years of age and when mm. you listen to the intensity of the drumming, it reminds me of, you know, latter day Judas Priest. You know the double bass drums. Yeah. And, and and obviously there's a connection with Andy Sneap who produces um, Judas Priest as well as Saxon album. But mm. Nigel's drumming is youthful. It's just it's given um, Saxon that real, real hardcore drive. So I I was really shocked at how good this album was, Matt. I, uh, that's mm. my meanderings of what has been a great, great album to start off 2024 for us. Fabulous album. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I, I was uh, I was pretty less enthusiastic about it. To be <laughs> really? I, um, I thought, that, as you said, the, the title track's great. Um, but then the one thing that struck me is if you're doing kids... You know, the, we talked about the kids earlier. Kids, even adults. If you're doing a history degree, or or O levels, A levels, whatever, GCSEs they call them now. I think listen to Saxon because it's a history. Every album is a history lesson. They've dealt with uh, J the assassination of JFK, the moon landing. On this album, they cover, as you say. Um, the French Revolution in Madame Guillotine. Fire and Steel is about Sheffield, as it, yeah. so it's a bit more of a kind of a you know industrial kind of social economical so, um, sort of statement, as it were. Uh, Something in Roswell, which is my favourite song of the album, is That's about good. The, UFO, yeah, yeah, yeah. the alleged UFO landing in the fifties in the US. Um, 
I think you could throw any subject to Biff, Biff Byford, the, the singer of Saxon, and he'd, he could write about it. He, he does it very well, yep. I might add. The other thing I thought, by the way, uh, Brian Tatler from Diamond Head is on this album. In fact, he, he um, Biff said to him, have you got any ideas? And he came up with Hellfire and Damnation, which is tinged with some Diamond Headisms. When you've listened to Diamond Head as long as I have, 40 plus years, you know the Diamond Headisms or the Brian Tatlerisms. So there's a few listed throughout and you can tell Brian's, Brian's solos. I think Paul Quinn's on it as well. I um, I thought it was okay on the whole, Brian. It's one of those albums that the more I listened, the less I liked it. But if you want to just, uh, yeah, I know it's a strange thing to say, isn't it? It normally goes the other way. But um, I probably listened to it too much because we do listen to these albums a lot for this uh, for this for this sort of section, um, but it's it's well worth a listen. The twenty fourth album by Saxon, Hellfire and Damnation. <laughs> I'm not sure it's called that, but I'm going to call it that anyway. <laughs> which which bring brings no, us to just, just before you come to the next album. Yes, there there is something that that um, uh, it's whenever I was listening to the album. And then I was listening to some Judas Priest. There are some trademark words that that Biff uses and trademark words that Rob uses. Mm, so to me, Biff, Biff uses the word night a lot. So night! Mm. And then, of course, Rob Halford is fire! <laughs> yes, true. Well, you know, they, they were... They work in their own way. Um, whatever works for you, then, you know, oh. go for it. Um, <clears throat> in the same vein, uh, Green Day uh, got a new album out called Saviors, uh, which is their 14th album. Uh-huh. Um, what did you think of that the, one? Uh, well, well, thanks for asking, and I shall tell you. I, um, I haven't listened to a Green Day album since... Um, if I'm honest, since uh, Bullet in the Bible, the live album from about 2005, six, uh-huh. which my which my niece Zoe is on. Uh, we talked about albums and videos you're on last time, and she she's on that album. It's recorded at Milton Keynes Bowl, which we'll maybe come on to later. And uh, uh, apparently, she was in row 65. She has quite long hair, and uh, her hair was in row 73. Mm-hmm. She's quite quite something. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the Green Day album, I re- I thought it was great. They've got this ability, Green Day, um, Billy Joe Armstrong, Trey Cool, and Mike Durnt, great names. Um, they've got this ability to combine kind of punky punkiness, and I mean that in a kind of stylistic way, sort of the sort of classic kind of up down strokes of the guitar, with with melody, with with just it, they seem to just kind of create this whole Green Day bubble for themselves where they you just know it's them, you know it's Billy Joe Armstrong's vocal, you know it's the the guitar style and so on. Um, in a way, it's a natural progression from uh, American Idiot, which was 20 years ago, for God's sake. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they're out, I think, uh, on tour, certainly in this country, in the UK, uh, doing, I think, Dookie, which I think was probably the 20th, 10 years before that, uh, and so on. Um, it's um, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's very sort of political in places. The opening song is The American Dream is Killing Me. Um, it's got uh, it's got some interesting songs. I haven't really delved into the kind of subtext of these songs. Um, 
from Coma City. I'm not sure what that's about. I imagine that's a statement on whatever city they care to mention. Um, Strange Days Are Here to Stay. That's probably says it all in the title, and so on. It weighs in at an impressive 46 minutes, which is the kind of classic, kind of current, you know, put it on vinyl length. I think the Saxon album is about 42 minutes. So that's fine, because you don't necessarily want, you know, an hour and 20 minutes worth of album, because you get to track 75 and you're a bit bored. But this has got a nice, punchy uh, 15 songs in 40, 46 minutes. So... Um, I think it's I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I know we're only in February, but it's so far it's one of my albums of the year. Wow! I absolutely loved it. You, Briar, I fear that you don't have quite the same enthusiasm for this album. It's listening to the album. I would have changed the running order for the album. That's just me, mm-hmm. because the first the the first couple of tracks off the album, uh, obviously. Um, the American Dream is Killing Me, Look Man, O Brains and Bobby Socks. Those are the first three tracks on the album. And when I listened to it, it sound, it felt like polished punk. So it yeah. wasn't it 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 wasn't as uh uh raw and vibrant as you say as maybe a Dookie or American Idiot. Because American Idiot, you know, it's you could just it just sounds like they're in a rehearsal room mm. uh, and they're just thrashing out the songs but then cheekily do you see from track five which is a track called dilemma mm-hmm. all the way through to track nine corvette summer dilemma mm. 1981 good night uh, uh adeline and to me the banging track of the album which is coma city which mm-hmm. is which is which is nearly an acdc ter- it's just there's, it's true. It is. It's very much in that. And I, I just, it, it got more angrier. And yeah, you're right about the, um, you know, some of the commentary that that uh, that Billy Joe puts in his lyrics. But that middle section of the album, I just went, oh, I like this now. And it really took me through, you know, hmm. all the way through the albums. So I, yeah, I, the first couple of tracks were just a little bit too polished for me. And then mm. it just it just really took off it took off from dilemma, and I was going, yeah, they're they're still angry, you know, and they're guys mm. probably in their you know fifties, mid fifties, maybe mm. late forties, so you know they're 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 going, but there was an urgency about the material, and they had something to say, and and the the middle part of that of the album was just fantastic. So I was. Uh, whether they're doing that on purpose, well, we'll do a few. We'll do a few easy melodic songs, and then we'll just get into it. But mm. yeah, very, very um, impressed with that as an album. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good. So check it out, boys and girls. Saviors by Green Day, as well as uh, Hellfire and Damnation by Saxon. Well worth the listen. Yes, of course. absolutely. <laughs> right, Matt. So we have come to the middle of the alphabet. Kind of nearly. Um, mm. But it's the most important letter in the alphabet. It's M. It's M for Matt and M for Mealy. So I like that. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought of that actually. <laughs> so we've we have we we need to crack on because we have got oh, yes. so, we've got so many bands. We've got so many things to get through. So let's kick off with yes. with some easy peasy bands that would make it into our pantheon. <laughs> Of the eight Z rock, I'm going to start mm. us off with the wonderful, and we mentioned the former lead singer earlier on, Marillion. Oh, okay, all right. 
Meridian. Yes. Still going strong. Yes. Formed in 1979. Really? Wow. Hmm. I remember it well. Um, and as we said, Fish was the, I think it was, was he the original singer? I don't really know my Meridian history. They kind of appeared. I remember they just appeared with um, Script for a Jester's Tear in about 1982, which was one of those kind of highly lauded albums. Um and then followed it up with Fugazi. And then I think their their main sort of sort of I suppose kind of standout album is um uh Clutching at Straws from nineteen eighty eight. Is yeah. that right, Brian? Yeah, and you got my Meridian discography correct. You're you're not too bad. You're you're doing for for something off the off the cuff. Um mm. you're you've got Misplaced Childhood, which was the album which had Kaylee on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, and Heart of Lothian and Lavender, and then they, yep, and then Clutching at Straws, which was the last album with 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 Fish, and then the Fish era ends, and then we go into the the post Fish Hogarth era, which is amazing, which has got albums like Brave, the um, yeah, some a much more ambient, progressive. Um, experimental, you know, and and hmm. I th- and uh, and as we've talked about Merlion in the show a number of times, you know, they the whole crowdfunding, the whole you know, uh, you know, pay to get your name and the credits of albums and stuff. You know, they they took the whole self financing of and and kind of moving away from major label support and became an independent band and have been. I suppose instrumental and uh, being able to keep out of the the mainstream for so long and still be critically acclaimed with albums like Fear, which came out a couple of a couple of years ago, which featured very mm-hmm. highly in the classic rock. So, yep, brilliant. Yep. Hopefully, a reasonable start to the letter M. But let's yes. get back onto more firmer territory with a band from 1975, formed in 1975. Matthew, a band who I never saw, um, yes. but a band formed with by Mr. Lemmy Kilmister, Mr. Larry Wallace, and Lucas Fox, known right. as Motorhead. A couple of people said to me, why under the letter L did you not feature Lemmy? Well, I said simply because we're going to talk about Motorhead. Um, and to a lot of people, Motorhead is Lemmy. I mean, he was there from day Absolutely. one. Yeah. Uh, formed Motorhead after being fired by Hawkwind. Um, Motorhead was a, uh, indeed, was a, uh, a Hawkwind song originally. And uh, if you listen to both, we'll put both on the playlist and you'll cons- kind of see the comparison. Um, I've said many times, Motorhead were probably my, when I was, oh, I don't know, what was I, 15, 16, maybe, yeah, that era. They were one of my favourite bands. Lemmy, I mean, iconic character. And in a way, I kind of modelled my look on him in those days. Leather jacket, long hair, bullet belt, warts. Um <laughs> Moustache, beard. I had, to gr- I had to draw on the moustache and beard, but I should be young for that. Um, but yeah, amazing. I mean, hugely, hugely, inf- hugely influential. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of other M's, the Metallica and Megadeth and many others that they've they influenced. Uh, I recommend, if you haven't seen it, the Lemmy, the Lemmy movie. Is it called the Lemmy movie? Do you remember that? Yep. Uh, amazing, amazing insight into the world of Levy. But, you know, what a character. Um, sadly, no longer with us. Um, died in 2015. But his legacy lives on. Um, and he, he he sent out the ashes, his ashes in bullets 
to to various members of the rock fraternity. I think fraternity. I think Dave Grohl might have got one, and 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 many others. Duff, so um, Duff McKagan got one. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah, Duff got one. Uh, God bless him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, chain smoking, Jack Daniels drinking, fruit machine playing. <laughs> wow, what a guy! Well, but we'll put tons of motet stuff on the um, on the place, of course. Um, we mentioned Metallica just then, of course, uh, who, as I say, were influenced influenced by Motown, but mainly influenced by Diamond Head. Of course, that's very well documented over the years. Uh, Lars Ulrich. <laughs> Brian's sitting back while I give a little lecture on the origin of Metallica and I link with Diamond Head. It's been many times uh, documented how uh, Lars Ulrich came to Britain in, uh, I think, about 1981, saw uh, Diamond Head at the, I think it was a Lewisham Odeon, or the Woolwich Odeon, somewhere in London, and uh, kind of hang out with the band for a few weeks, then and went went back and formed 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 Metallica as you do, uh, and the rest is history. But I mean, what a what a band, a massive band, and resurgence last year, very last much, years yeah, with, um, with the Stranger Things soundtrack and Master of Puppets and so on. But um, yeah, we gotta we gotta mention Metallica surely, and then it's Ram, right? And we have to we have to mention uh, Metallica, and and then. Obviously, their original lead guitarist is Dave Mustaine, who, having been kicked out of Metallica, went and formed Megadeth, who, you know, for many, many years, uh, you had this, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, hmm. and and obviously the, um, uh, some kind of monster movie when the band were going through their, their therapy sessions and, and Dave Mustaine... Um, was part of the the documentary. You could see how much it hurt Dave, mm. and and they've reconnected. And then obviously the big four went out on tour. Um, you know Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Metallica, and they're all big pals now, which is which is great. So yeah, mm. then we done. Yeah, we did half. We did his. Um, we did Dave Mustaine's book. Another M, of course. Yeah, Dave Mustaine and Megadeth. Uh, we looked at his book in um, Book Club of Rock. Um, well worth a read, uh, Dave Mustaine's autobiography. And as you say, he's buried the hatchet with uh, the guys in Metallica after all these years. I, and I love I love connections as well too, because you know when you when you think of bands like Motorhead and and Metallica, one thing that connects both of them in the early day in the early days. Is martial amplification. In fact, in fact, martial amplification is just, you know, uh, it is whenever you and I started to go to gigs, um, you you you're standing there and you're saying, you know, how many bands had martial martial stacks, you know, and and, mm. and 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 it's over the years now, Matt, whenever we, we watch the documentaries and you'll you'll see you'll see somebody, you know, like the the the, uh, the motorheads of this world. Mm. Lemmy Lemmy had maybe six four by twelve cabinets on stage, mm. and he actually had them all switched on. Whereas, Is that right? yeah, yeah. If you stood in front, if you stood in front of and in, in the in the Lemmy mo- movie that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you had people who came up on stage. You know, modern musicians, and they stood in front of Lemmy's, <laughs> stood in front of, of Lemmy's um, bass cabinets, and you just can't hear. Um, mm. uh, so nowadays, a lot of it's for show. So yeah. we, we saw Airborne at uh, Steelhouse, remember a couple of 
a couple of years ago. And of course, they they have all of their Marcel stacks, etc. And you just want to go, have, have, you, have you got them all switched on? Or have you just got one or two switched on and the rest are there for show? <laughs> yeah, well, famously, there's that clip, isn't there, where, you, you know, it kind of goes behind this... The, the 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 wall of marshals and a lot of British shells and Judas Priest Judas Priest admittedly got got one where um, Rob Halford rides his motorbike through so you're right I mean it's, it's synonymous with, with rock and metal isn't it? the the Marshall stack um, and I mean Jim Marshall who who was the founder of Marshall sadly no longer with us yeah um, he I think he basically he he ran a music shop I think on um, Tim Pan Alley in London Denmark Street in London. Yeah. And I think um, uh, Pete Townsend, I think this is a, an apocryphal story, but it, it, it's probably true. Um, he came in and said, I need, I need something louder and, and meatier. And, and Jim Marshall came up essentially with the Marshall, probably the 50 watt or the 100 watt or whatever. You, I mean, you, you know a little bit about guitars and stuff <laughs> like that, you know, amps and everything. Um, but essentially we've got Jim Marshall to thank and, and probably Pete Townsend um, to thank for the, the whole Marshall, the Marshall stack. Uh, as it's sort of commonly referred to, of okay. course, and and um, somebody, some, somebody mm. who continues to use Marshall stacks and uh, will maybe stick something on the socials. Uh, who, well, if you if you go and see him in concert, is the wonderful mm. and let's not forget the J, Ingvi mm. J Malmsteen, mm. <laughs> and he yeah, plays indeed. Marshalls <laughs> and lots of them. <laughs> That's true. I actually went to the I went to a gig in 2012, which was the 50 years of Marshall amplification a gig, and and Ingwe Malmsteen was there, and um, he um, we were sort of side of the stage almost. He was throwing his guitar over the, the I think he changed the guitar like midway through the songs, um, and he was lobbing his guitar over the top of his stack <laughs> to his roadie. He was standing there like a like a you know a baseball catcher or a wicketkeeper. Ready for this guitar that would land any 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 second, yeah. The great Ingwe J Malmsteen, of course. We can't. We're talking about guitarists, of course. There, there are there are numerous uh, guitarists in the letter M. The great Brian May, of course, not Brian May Lee, Brian May of Queen. I can only hope. Sir Brian, <laughs> Sir Brian May. Remember him? Heard of him? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Still Queen, Queener, still going strong, still touring. Brian That's May, true. yeah, with his sideboard guitar, and he plays his plect. His plectrum was a uh, sixpence six piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing when you think about it. Um, other M's in the guitarist world. I mean, there's loads. There are really loads. I mean, at one point, uh, White Snake had three: Moody, Marsden, and uh, Neil Murray, of course, yep. on the bass guitar. Yeah. Marco Mendoza has played bass for Whitesnake, of course. It has indeed. Um, there is uh, Steve Morse, who was Deep Purple's guitarist. Um, Dave Murray from Iron Maiden. Uh, a little fella called John Mayer, I think you've heard of. I have indeed. Um, one of your favourites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, drummer-wise, we've got Nico McBrain. We, we, can't, we can't quite put together a uh, uh, an M... Um, Sort of supergroup with the as we did with the uh, with the Lees last time round, but we're not far off with the uh, the various Moors, Gary Moore. I'm glad you said more because uh, if you try try to me, I go Murr. Moor, Murr. See, <laughs> so you take this one then. 
Gary, well, I mean, there's loads, isn't there? I mean, there's uh, Gary Moore. We talked about. I mean, he's one of your one of your countrymen, of course. The great Gary Moore. Absolutely. Um, My favorite first, guitar player. That's right. Is he though? Oh, was, uh, yeah, Gary's my Gary. Gary's my goat. <laughs> He's my goat. You're, I'm not so sure about that expression, goat. Greatest <laughs> of all time. Um, there are a few. Vinnie Moore from uh, yeah. UFO, of course. Um, others. I'm well, actually, we're not doing too bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You've got, and then you've got a singer. You got Nicky Moore, who sang with Samson. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, That's right. Keyboards, you would have Kevin Moore, who was the keyboard From, player, Dream Theater. I know that. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got uh, Thurston Moore, another guitar from, player. Yeah, yeah. Sonic Youth, I think. Yeah. Um, Scotty Moore, who was I think it was Elvis's guitarist. He was he? indeed very influential guitar player. Uh, yeah, we're just about there. I think we're missing a bass player, aren't we? Yeah, we, we, we need um, a drummer. That's true. I'm sure we'll get one somewhere. <laughs> Please tell us any Moors that uh, play the drums. We'll stick them in. Um, <clears throat> Gil, Gilmore. Gilmore from Triumph. Jeez, that's a good shout. <laughs> it's a good job okay. we do our preparation for this show, isn't it, Matt, as we're just well, throwing, throwing out Moors. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. Uh, amazing. Um, yes, indeed, he was the drummer and co-vocalist. Not quite the Neil Peart category, but uh, still good from Canadian drummer perspective. There we are. We've done a more, another another nearly family fam, family family supergroup. Exactly. Um, what else we got? Notable mentions, Brian. Notable mentions for me. Oh my goodness. Um, I, f- for me, albums wise, um, I would be calling out um, uh, three albums come off the top of my head. Moving Pictures, Mechanical Resonance, and a band that has got two great albums, one studio and one live, is Deep Purple's Machine Heads and Made in Japan. Amazing. That's a great shout. Yeah. Um, in the same vein, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention Mechanics by UFO. Um, and, of course, featuring the great Phil Mogg on vocals. Absolutely. Get the great... Great Phil Mogg, singer on the greatest live album there's ever been, of course, <laughs> as, as previously mentioned. Marauder by Blackfoot. Do you remember old Kelvin, our, um, our former social media guy, sent the one in, bless him? Yes. Um, Machine Head Deep Purple, you mentioned that, I think, and uh, and many, many more. I think we also need to mention Eric Martin from Mr Big. Oh, yes. They're pretty good. Good show. Um, we also need to mention Mick Mars from Motley Crue. One of the one of the one of the kind of, I suppose in a way, classic rock bands. We talked about them last time, and yep. the fact we saw them last year. Um, and finally, I think two two absolute superstars of the genre. I'm going to go with Steve Marriott. Now, Steve Marriott, I think, is one of those vocalists from um, uh, Humble Pie, and of course, the Small Faces. Um, sad, again, sadly, no longer with us, but a, a hugely I think he's probably just about uh, one of the greatest vocalists has ever been in the in the rock world. Yeah, and also, of course, we mentioned John Lennon last time. We can't mention John Lennon without, of course, the great Paul McCartney. Um, he made it fantastic. into your. Was did he make it into? Was he your bass player when we were putting together supergroups? I don't. I don't think so. 
Um, oh, you might have been mine then. <laughs> I do remember. I do remember that story. My friend was at a station, a railway station in Kent somewhere, and he was Paul McCartney was standing behind him in the queue to get a coffee, and they started talking about football, soccer, Liverpool and Everton, which is quite surreal when you think about it. Chatting to a a beetle about uh, Everton and Liverpool, but there you go. Um, I think that's it. I, I would also like to mention, by the way, we mentioned Milton Keynes Bowl earlier, mm-hmm. um, one of my favourite venues, been there many times, and of course Monsters of Rock. And I think, boys and girls, you should go back to, I think it was episode seven or eight, and of course subscribe on YouTube to the podcast, um, but listen to uh, episode seven, the famous uh, Bradfest and Matt Stock Festival episode which still is one of my favorites the last uh, of the 60 episodes we've done Brian, of course absolutely over to you my friend so i this was a band or this is a this was a piece of music that i remember from midday on a sunday and it was it was the theme tune to weekend world in the uk with was it brian walden and the theme tune it was had this Hammond organ keyboard, and for years we didn't have the internet, um, and and so you don't know what it is. And it was a track by a band called Mountain, and Mountain are uh, obviously it's Leslie West as they was the guitar player and uh, and guitar player and singer, so influential. Um, you know, mm. if you talk to Eddie Van Halen, that loads of the you know. Um, you know, Ronnie Montrose, who we didn't mention, Sammy Hagar, you're, you're in that, you know, Leslie West is is revered as one of the greatest guitar players. So Mountain play, played the theme tune for Weekend World, and it was, a, what a cracking name for a song. Nantucket Sleigh Ride. That's right. I've no idea what where what where Nantucket is, or but but it's on the map because of because of Mountain. So I shout it to Mountain, and then the other uh, moving away from we're moving away from music, Matt. You, 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 when we often think about you know denim and leather and and, and things that are synonymous with with uh, with rock, and it got me thinking about mascots. Hmm. So mascots. So. Um, the the when you think of the great mascots and I suppose trademarks to a lot of bands, they they um, uh, I'll I'll have a little bit of a quiz with you here. Mm, so okay, Iron Maiden. Who's yes. Iron Maiden's mascot? Uh, well, it's Eddie. There you go. Excellent. Um, and now we talked about Motorhead. Yes. What that's, is that? That's the famous Snaggletooth. Eh? Yeah, well, two for the, two. The sort of skull with the, the horns and everything, yep. Okay. The third one, again, another M band, which is Megadeth. Mm. And and obviously, yes. when you think of Megadeth's, uh, you know, the album covers that with the, you know, uh, the, their mascot. Who was Megadeth's mascot called? Well, having read uh, Dave Mustaine's autobiography, <laughs> I know that it's, uh, it's Vic Rattlehead, which... <laughs> Is it, is it Vic or Mick? Vic. Anyway. It's Vic. Yeah, Vic. I thought Vic. so. Right. Um, yeah. And your final one of the ones mm. that I think are the iconic uh, yes. uh, heavy metal uh, mascots is Dio. Uh, that's that's got to be Denzel the Dragon, surely. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
Now, it's it's not a very now when you think of the Holy Diver album and you've got the you know the the the, 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 the diabolical character. Yes, the diabolical character, and you've got mm. the chains around the priest in the water and mm. all this kind of stuff. This is what the internet is telling me that devilish uh, character is called Murray. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> I, I think I prefer Denzel to be honest. With you. Mascots. So, yes. the, so there you go. There's there's the mascots of rock, and I'm sure there's many 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 others we can remember. Yeah, very good. I like that. So that was the letter M. Next time it's N. Now it's going to get more and more difficult. I think as we go forward, but um, I, I've already got it. I I, I think it's going to be uh, no, I, no, no, no. It's going to be it'll it'll be an episode for you to talk about Nwabum. So oh, yeah. so we can do we can do the whole history of Nwabum. And we can talk even more about Diamond Head. That's true. There you go. <laughs> Happy days. Okay. So that brings us to everyone's favourite part of the old podcast, Brian. Hidden Jim Thank you, Lola. Sounding great, as always. Hope you're doing well. So, Brian, what you got for us? Once again, I have streaming services to thank me, Matt, for... Um, for giving me this artist or reminding me of this next artist. This is an album called Don't Say No that was produced in 1981. And and actually, um, the artist in question had asked Brian May to produce the album. And Brian said, I'm not available. Why don't you get our long-standing engineer, Mac? To, uh, to produce it. And this is the album Don't Say No by Billy Squire. Oh, yeah. Now, Billy Squire, the, the big, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, tr- the, the big single off this album, which was called The Stroke, um, uh, it obviously did very well in America at the time, mm. uh, you know, 1981. Um, but the track, and please put this on the um, on the playlist, Matt, is "Lonely Is the Night." Oh yeah, it's an absolute. Oh, he's so, is it a banger? Is it a Brian banger? It's Brian's, a, banger. it's Brian's banger for this episode. It's uh, for somebody who has got the voice of Robert Plant and the guitar chops of Gary. You know, he, he's he, he had it all. And by 1993, he was he'd, he'd finished his record contract with Capitol Records. They weren't they weren't promoting any of his, mu- any of his music, and he'd walked away from the music industry in total. Um, by 2021, which was the 20th anniversary of this album, don't say no. He did a tour, and then the last, and he's he sporadically turns up now and again. He he was a member of Ringo Starr's All Star Band, Matt. Um, and I and I've just been listening to him for the last little while. I've been listening to this album and Billy Square. What a singer! What a guitar player! What a mm. songwriter! Mm. And for me, uh, my hidden gem for this episode is Billy Squire's "Don't Say No." It's it's a classic. It's great. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I actually saw Billy Squire. Did you really? Um, yeah, he was uh, one of the first people I ever saw live. Actually, he was. Um, yeah, it was the opening act. Believe it or not, for White Snake on the um, White Snake on the Come and Get It tour. And in those oh, days, wow. uh, you know, when you, you your first gigs, you, you you're too young to drink, so you you go in and you, there'd be an empty auditorium. In this case, it was in the circle. 
And um, yeah, it's all, you know, waiting for the whatever band to come on at 7.30, 8 o'clock. And yeah, Billy Squire, yeah. So I saw Billy Squire in 81, actually, probably wow. more than that very album. Um, <sighs> I'm going to come slightly more up to date with my brand. It's another album. Um, it's, a, it's from an American band called Red Sun Rising. Now, I came across this band through a song, which is an absolute, oh, one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. A song called The Other Side. It's from this album, uh, the album being Polyester Zeal, which is the debut album from Red Sun Rising from 2015. They're on a they're on a permanent hiatus now, Red Sun Rising, but check out, um, it's a really great album. I mean, it's one of those kind of, you know, it's sort of one of those emo kind of indie rock slash classic rock albums. Check it out. But um, yeah, my hidden gem um, is for this episode is Polyester Zeal by Red Sun Rising featuring the brilliant The Other Side and the almost as brilliant Emotionless, which were singles from the album that did pretty well on the billboard charts and the rock, the rock billboard charts in the US. Um, weighing in at only 42 minutes, the classic current, you know, back to the, back to the 80s, back to the future with the, you know, the current album, the album length of 40 odd minutes. But yeah, check it out. Uh, Polyester Zeal by Red Sun Rising, my hidden gem for episode 60, Bri. Fabulous. That was it. All done. All done. Right. Bye, everyone. See ya. <laughs> uh, we have to say uh, thanks for listening. Of course, as always, please subscribe on YouTube. Um, tell all your friends, neighbours, complete strangers uh, about us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on Facebook or on uh, email, uh, whatever our email address is. I can't remember what it is now. Thanks to um, Scotland Rocks Radio for having us on every third Tuesday. Um, check us out there. What else, Bri? Anyone else want to mention? Talk about your mum. We haven't mentioned mum since last episode. Is she doing all right? Yeah, she's doing okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Pleased to hear it. <laughs> she excited about your uh, Smashing Pumpkins audition? I haven't told her yet. Okay. I haven't told yeah, you. Yeah. Well, well, whenever for... I'm settled down, whenever I'm settled in in LA, once you know, once once we've got the, <laughs> once we've, I'm trying to keep it under wraps, Matt. You know, it's just, oh, are you? yeah, I'm sorry, okay. yeah, just I won't, I won't, I won't it. Yeah, right. Billy's just a bit, you know, he's a bit quiet, but he's yeah, yeah, it's his management, my management, you know, song, you know, the songs I've been writing with them as well too. It's just got to keep it all under wraps but mm. it'll come out in time and it, and it, i might be named a different person as well too oh really that'd be great yeah oh like brian m or something like that <laughs> that'd be hilarious i'd love that yes yeah you've heard well, it here first people i am not the new guitarist in smashing pumpkins well, no no oh what a shame on that bombshell thanks for listening everyone we'll see you for episode 61 yes. oh my goodness can't believe it uh, take care of yourselves, be good, uh, be nice to each other, and keep the faith. Keep on rocking. See you later. Bye now. Bye. First Bad Pod, we salute you, is a Manny Rogers production. Nah.